Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. got your Bibles, head over to Nehemiah chapter four. Nehemiah four is going to be today. And hey, let me just start like this, man. I just need y'all to know, um, I am, I got a lot of preaching me today. And uh, because Encounter was amazing. I just need y'all to know that. Like it was absolutely, that, that was amazing. Let me just, uh, all of our locations, who was at Encounter this week? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? That's awesome, man. Who was at every single night of Encounter? Who was there? Dude, all right, man. Let me just say, if you were there every night, you are about to hear the greatest sermon you have ever heard. Not because I'm about to preach the greatest sermon you've ever heard, but because the soil of your heart has been tilled by gathering with the people of God and the power of the Spirit of God under the authority of the Word of God. And then when that happens, something changes in you. And so, uh, man, you just buckle up. Buckle up, man. Um, also need you to do this. Y'all seem a little sleepy today and I'm not, I'm not liking it. So will you give me a good amen. Give me an amen. amen. Let's hear like, preach pastor. Let's go. Okay, well, applause like Jesus was just exalted. And all right, man. Cause I just need you to know, if you do the it's early and I'm staring at you with coffee in my hand thing today, I, I, well, I'm, not, I'm not gonna do great with it. So, all right, so here, here we go. Let me just, uh, I just want you to know this, man. So I don't want us to treat what's holy as, as, uh, as if it were common. Um, because I just, so here's some things I saw this week. I saw 17,000 people gather on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night outside of life just to worship Jesus. I saw grown men, like I saw 55-year-old grown men running down aisles to give their lives to Christ. I prayed with, like personally, I personally prayed with high schoolers and college students reduced to weeping and falling on their knees, coming under conviction of sin, in repentance, coming back to the love of the Father. 77 people indicated a first-time decision to follow Jesus with their life, and we will baptize 300 people today across all of our locations in one weekend, y'all. Let me just say, let me just say it, man. Something's happening around here, guys. Something's happening around here. And we're not, gonna treat, we're not gonna treat what's holy as if it were common. Now, um, here's what I'm doing. I am counting today as the last day of encounter. This is it. So like last night of camp, that's what you got right now. That's it, this is last night of camp. And uh, here's what we're doing is um, I am preaching Nehemiah four and six together. And I just wanna remind you, the book of Nehemiah is a story about a nation, listen, a nation that had the anointing and presence of God. And then somewhere along the way, they lost it. And this is the story of how they got it back. And how it happened is this, it was, y'all, it was like a spirit-filled general contractor 
This dude steps forward in faith. One person with a surrender to the power of the spirit and he steps forward and God uses this man to lead a nation into a revival, into awakening, into the power of the spirit. And so what happens is he, he is led by God to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem and, uh, and he does in the power of the spirit in 52 days what they had not been able to accomplish in 52 years. And how many of you know that when the spirit of God falls on a person, falls on a family, falls on a church, guys, the spirit of God can do in days what we can't do in decades. And this is what happens right here, man. I, and I just, I just wanna point this out. When we baptize like 300 people in one weekend, and we're, like, we're on our way to baptizing 2,000 people in one calendar year. Do y'all understand? Like, man, that's awesome. But I just, listen, I need you to understand that's not normal. <laughs> What happens is that that is happening in days what many churches would pray for in decades. And when the Spirit of God falls, he can do more in days than we can do in decades. There is nothing that he cannot accomplish. And so Nehemiah steps forward with, with this. Now, this sermon is preached to people who this week at Encounter, like God moved on your heart and you took a step of faith or you made a decision to do something in your life you've never done before or you are one of the hundreds or thousands of people who this year at Lake Point, you've decided like, man, I'm crossing the line of faith. I'm gonna follow Jesus. And here, here's, here's the watch out, is you might think that the second you step forward in obedience, that because God's for you, that after that, it's all gonna be like rainbows and sunshine and unicorns and applause and everything's gonna be awesome. But you have to know this reality. And by the way, um, if this is your first time at Lake Point, come back next week. This week's a little intense. Let me just say that, okay? The reality is when the Spirit of God goes to work, so does Satan. Check this out. This is Nehemiah 4.1. It says, when Sanballat the Horonite, everybody say Horonite. Okay, say it very carefully when you're at church, Horonite, okay? Heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became angry and he was greatly incensed and he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Do they think they're gonna restore the wall? They think they're gonna offer sacrifices again? He's mocking them. Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? And oh, by the way, Jesus in the New Testament goes, yeah, actually in the power of the spirit, they can. Because if the rocks don't cry out, these people are gonna do it. And so the answer to that question is yes, burned as they are. And then Tobiah the Ammonite, everybody say Ammonite. There you go. Who was that? So we're coming back to that. Who was at his side said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Now here's what I wanna point out is that the second Nehemiah steps out in obedience, the enemy steps up with opposition. I just need to call something out. Because some of you, you have been taught either implicitly or explicitly. For some of you, it's simply been implied. There are pastors all across our country who will make it sound like to you that if you just step forward in obedience and becoming a Christian, that's gonna punch your ticket to like a low maintenance, hassle-free life where it's all applause. But the Bible says this. The Bible says, wrong, expect opposition. I just wanna speak the truth to you. Expect opposition. Let me read you some things, like just straight from the scriptures. This is 1 John 3, 13. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. It, surely it would be a strange thing to say that we worship and follow a guy 
that was so much hated by the world, he was crucified. But we think that if we follow the guy that was hated by the world, we will be loved by the world. That would be a really, really weird thing to expect. Jesus said this in Luke chapter six. He said, blessed, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the son of man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But watch this. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you because that's how the ancestors treated the false prophets. Guys, Jesus commanded us to love our enemies. He did not say we wouldn't have any. The book of Ephesians commands every believer everywhere, listen to this language, to put on the full armor of God. Do you know when you need armor? When you're in a battle. John Piper, I understand about 8% of what he says, but it's awesome when I understand it. John Piper says this, he says, life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances the powers, uh, as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts down in the den. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in this world. Now, let me just point this out. If you're especially like new to the faith, you're kicking the tires on this whole thing, you may be going like, well, why? Like, man, if God is sovereign over the world, then like, why is it that when I start to follow him that actually opposition ramps up? Well, let me help you understand how the theological math maths When you become a Christian, you didn't just gain a father in heaven, you gained an enemy in hell. That the Bible says that like, y'all, God is real. And that this world was created and is overseen by a Holy Spirit who loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. God is a spirit. But that's not the only reality in the universe, that there is a Holy Spirit that loves you so much he was willing to die for you, But there's also an unholy spirit, a real enemy that the Bible calls Satan, and he hates you so much that he is willing to kill you. We have a real enemy in this real world. And what the Bible says is that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything you hold dear. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, your family, your children. But what he wants most of all is he's coming after your faith. That's what he wants. He's coming after your faith. And so watch this, before you were a Christian, you didn't even, you didn't have that enemy. Like you didn't know it, but like you were like, you were like playing for his team. But the second you become a Christian, what the Bible says is that you were transferred in the love of God from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That you were transferred from hell to heaven, from sin to righteousness, that you were an enemy of God. And now you are a son or a daughter of the living God. And what happens in that moment is, again, you didn't just gain a father, you gained an enemy. And so somebody said it like this, the birthmark of a believer is a bullseye. The second you make that transfer, you get marked as an enemy of Satan. And so what that means is, listen, that obedience always is met with opposition. Always. And no time anywhere, that's not true. So like, can I just speak to like exact moments some of you are in this week coming out of encounter, move of God in your life. 
this right here, why like, man, before you were a Christian, everything was cool, but then you become a Christian, all of a sudden opposition happens. So example, for many of you, it's like with your friends. It's like, bro, when you were like, partying and sleeping around and drinking and doing all the destructive things, all your friends are like, oh, this dude is awesome. Let's, like, let's hang, bro. Like, I'm in. Let's do it. But the second you start trying to consecrate your life and live for the purposes of God, all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, lame. This dude's actually kind of judgy. Like, ah, like what, what's going on, man? Or at work, if you'll just go with the flow and you'll do all the things and check all the boxes and there's a few shady things that actually you're being asked to do and, and you're willing to fudge on your integrity and actually there's some ideology that you're asked to like sign off on when you're at work. If you'll just do all of those things, everything's fine. But the second that you draw a line in the sand and go, man, actually like I can't do that because I'm a disciple of Jesus. Well, now we need to have a conversation with HR. Or what about this? At school, you're a high schooler. As long as you're quiet, as long as you either believe what everybody else believes or you're just quiet about the fact that you don't believe it, everything's fine. But the second you speak up and say that you don't believe those things, now we got a problem. Or, a little sensitive, if you invite a dude dressed as a girl to read perverse stories to kids in a library, totally welcome to do that. Invite a pastor to read Bible stories to kids in a library, we don't do that here. Now let me ask this question. Let me, let me ask this question, man. Let me just like, let me ask this. Why? Why is it like that? Okay, listen to me. Whenever you take an action with the Holy Spirit, there is always an opposite reaction of unholy spirits the Bible calls demons. That is a real reality. Now, right here is we're like, especially if you knew, you're like, oh my gosh, he did, totally did not just say, this is a 21st century, Josh, you cannot possibly believe in demons. Yeah, I do. I just think in our culture, we call them things like addictions, so like, like pastor friend of mine named Joby Martin pointed this out to me. Think about what, if you talk to somebody that's an addict, think about what they say. They say things like, man, there's this thing in my life that like, I actually, I don't want to do this thing. I actually, I don't, I don't even like this thing. And I know if I keep doing, doing it, it actually can kill me. It can kill my marriage and it can kill my family. It'll still kill and destroy everything, everything that I love. And it's like, it's like there's something inside of me that's not even me. Like there's this other voice in me that baits me to go down this road to the path of slavery. Now, what do you call that? Bad judgment? Yeah, there's more going on to this, man. There is a Holy Spirit. And every time you take an action in the Holy Spirit, unholy spirits called demons, they react to that. Now, I wanna be clear. Man, if you're a Christian, a demon can oppress you, but you can never be possessed by a demon because you are a bought and paid for possession of the most high God. That's a reality in your life. So man, listen, you just need to know this promise. In this world, you will have trouble. Some of you right now, you're like, man, pastor, geez, can't you be more positive? Yes, I can. I am positive that when you start to follow Jesus, you will experience opposition. I am positive, I am positive. But I am also positive that it will be worth it a trillion times over. I am positive about that. Listen, I just need to remind us of this. This is not my language. I just, I love this language. You, do you guys remember like, why do we follow Jesus? Now, we, we, listen, we don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. Now, every time I say that, I gotta like pause and just go, hey, actually following Jesus typically does make your life better. Like the commands of God are not burdensome. Actually, when God, when God says don't, what he means is don't hurt yourself. 
And that actually all God's commands, it's like God going, here's how life works best in this world. Uh, Satan has a plan to curse your life. God has a plan to bless your life. Ultimately, you get to choose which path you're on. And this is God's path to bless your life. So like following Jesus in our culture at this time typically does make your life better, but that's not what we follow Jesus. Yo, we, we don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. We follow Jesus because he is better than life. That's why we follow Jesus. It's like, man, at his right hand are pleasures evermore. That's why we follow him, okay? So you just need to know this. You are going to have battles, but listen to me and make no mistake, listen, these battles matter, y'all. These battles matter. I, I pointed this out to you earlier. So uh, the two dudes that are evil in this part of Nehemiah, it's Sanballat and, uh, Sanballat and Tobiah. Sanballat, I had you say it earlier, is Sanballat the Horonite. Horonite means he was from a city called Horonaim, which was in Moab. This is important, just kind of track with me. And then Tobiah, it says, was an Ammonite. Now, this is important. The Moabites and the Ammonites, if you go back in your Bible, you little Bible geniuses, you'll remember this. If you go back to the book of Joshua, Joshua was commanded generations earlier. Joshua and the people of Israel, they were commanded to, quote, utterly destroy and utterly drive out all the people of Canaan. And that included the Moabites and the Ammonites. So listen, listen real close. What you are seeing here is the fathers, the fathers in Israel, they did not fight and win those battles. And so those battles were left to the children. I wanna to speak to fathers in our church right now. You are facing battles in your life and you have a choice. You can either fight or flee. But if you flee, you will leave those battles to your children. Like, I, I just wanna say this, man. Like some of you right now, you got battles, man. Like, this is real. It's real stuff you walked in here with. Things like divorce, addiction, depression, adultery. Every now and then you'll hear somebody use this phrase like a generational curse. Like that's actually a concept that, that is a biblical concept. And what's going on there is the Bible is acknowledging the reality that these battles, things like divorce, addiction, depression, adultery, the reality is these things will get passed down from generation to generation to generation until some man in the family line stands up and acts like a man and in the power of the spirit wins a battle so that the generations after him, a chain gets broken and they get a walk in freedom. That's what happens. So your choice is to fight or to flee. But if you flee, you will leave those battles to your children. Now, I'm getting ready to say some things that are like they're politically incorrect, but they are biblically correct. And you just, you just gotta go with me. And if you don't like it, you can leave. It's, we need your parking space. Okay. <clears throat> I love you. That's, that sounded snarky. Um, in our culture right now, what everybody's always talking about is like, oh man, the biggest problem in our culture right now, people talk about it all the time, is toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity. And oh, by the way, are there some men that are toxic? Absolutely. But listen, the biggest problem in our culture is not toxic masculinity, it is an absence of masculinity. That's the biggest problem in our culture. So like, let me just give you some data. I'm just giving you data, like hard to get mad at data, okay? Data, 71% of inmates and 81% of rapists come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children, fatherless homes. 60% of youth suicides, fatherless homes. 
President Obama years ago, he pointed out that children without present fathers are 500% more likely to live in poverty and commit a crime, 900% more likely to drop out of schools, 2,000% more likely to end up in prison. Fatherlessness is the number one contributor to all five of the following societal ills. Crime, homelessness, unwed pregnancy, poverty, and future fatherlessness. Now, like every time, listen, I don't think the weight of what I just said dawned on you. So I'm gonna say it again. Fatherlessness is the number one contributor to crime, homelessness, unwed pregnancy, poverty, and future fatherlessness. Now, bad news. If you flee from battles, you will pass those battles to your children. Good news. If you bend your knee to the lordship of Jesus and then stand up and act like a man of the power of the spirit under submission to the word of God and win that battle, you will pass victory to your children. That's good news. But let, let, me just, let me just show you this from the scriptures. Let me show you this. So like, again, I'm just giving you data. This is data, okay? So here's, uh, check this out. What you're seeing right here, you're getting ready to see is if a family member comes to Christ, what you're getting ready to see is the influence they have on the rest of the family coming to Jesus. So this is data. So here's how it works. If a wife, first slide, comes to Christ, there's an 18%, nearly a 20% chance, it's amazing, of the whole family getting caught up in the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes because God loves the lowly, what God will do is he won't work top down, he'll work bottom up. Sometimes God will infiltrate a family from the children and work up. And so the data shows that if a child comes to Christ, there's a 22% chance of the entire family coming to Jesus. That's awesome. But, but check this out. If a father bends his knees to the Lordship of Jesus and comes to Christ, a 94% chance the rest of the family comes to Jesus. So man, let me just, can I just say this? Man, this, all, listen, all this stuff applies to everybody, but I'm speaking right now to men, to husbands, to fathers, to future husbands, to future fathers. Dads, man, show up for your kids. Dads, fight for your kids. Go after the hearts of your kids. This is the first time in our nation's history that we got more kids growing up with, without a father than with a father. And you wonder why this place is getting so jacked up. Now, hey, Lake Point Church, you wanna change the world? How about every man in here stand up and act like a man and fight for the hearts of your children? That'll change everything. You do that, that's gonna change everything. So check out, check out what Nehemiah does in Nehemiah 4. So I love this so much. The opposition comes, Nehemiah puts swords into the hands of the fathers and he gives this command. He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, for your wives, and for your homes. Fight. And then what happens right now in this world is this world breaks men down. We want to be at a church that builds men up. We want to build men up. And so what I want to do, and every time we come in here, what I want to do, the Bible says, the scriptures say that the word of God is like a sword of the spirit. And in the same way that Nehemiah shoved swords in the hand of the fathers and he said, fight for your kids. Every time we walk in here, what I'm trying to do is put a hand, put a sword in the hands of the fathers and say, fight for your children, fight for your wives, fight for your families. Every time you open the word of God in the morning and you submit to his authority as a man under submission, every time you do that, you're picking up a sword and you're fighting, you're fighting for something. And y'all can understand, every time we gather corporately for worship, all of our location, every time we do this thing right in here, y'all, this, this is not a show. <laughs> you know this? This is not like some show. This is not a game. Like when we come in here, this is the thin place. This is the place where the space between heaven and earth evaporates. This is where heaven touches earth. This is where the spirit of God touches the people of God. 
And when we come in here, whoa, whoa, when we come in here and we sing the songs and we pray the prayers and we preach the word, y'all, supernatural stuff happens in here. Chains break off in here. Generations get changed when we gather. And man, some of you right now, you don't even know it, but you're like, you're the first dude in your family ever to start being the guy that's like, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go to church. It's not just about you. You're doing something for your children and your children's children to the 10th generation, like the word says. Man, stuff happens. And so we wanna be a church that does this, that builds this up. So now let me transition. The heading here is expect opposition. But listen, you, it's not enough to expect opposition if you do not have the ability to detect the opposition. Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, he overcomes the opposition, listen, in part because he is able to distinguish between three categories of people. Now, if you're gonna take notes on any part of this sermon, the next three minutes is the part. Because a failure to understand these three biblical categories will lead probably to the greatest pain you ever experience in your life. I am not teasing. So here's what it is. Nehemiah has this ability to distinguish between three categories of people. Here are the categories, wise, simple, and evil. Wise people, simple people, and evil people. Now, the reason I'm saying this is we, a lot of times, we give naive advice as Christians. We'll say things like, even to our kids, we'll say stuff like this to our kids. Hey, you need to make sure you treat everyone the same. Wrong. That's wrong. You can't treat everyone the same because everyone is not the same. You have to treat people on the basis of their character. Their character determines how you relate to them and their access into your life. You have to understand that, okay? So if you, the greatest pain in your life will probably come from miscategorizing somebody on this spectrum of wise, simple, and evil. Now, let me explain this real fast. This is, if you're gonna take notes, here's the spot. Category number one, this, these are all in the book of Proverbs. Category number one is wise people. Now, wise people are like shepherds. Wise people are like shepherds. The book of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So a wise person is a person who loves Jesus, obeys Jesus, opens the word of God, and walks in submission to the commands of God. These are people who they have biblical convictions and they live their lives in obedience to them. So wise people, they live by the spirit and they are a positive force for building the kingdom of God. Nehemiah in this book is an example of a wise person. Now, here's, here's the deal. I'm gonna do this with each of these. How do you treat wise people when you find them? You bring them real close. You talk to them, you build your life with these people. You wanna get all up in there with a wise person. Now, let me just say this right here is why the church is this beautiful miracle. Every time we gather in this place, and especially gather in life groups, you get this chance to find other wise people who are following Jesus and get all up in there in their life. So like right now, let me just, like, especially if you're in my generation and down, let me just tell you, like, you're, some of you, you're struggling in your marriage and you're struggling in parenting. Do you know who you do not need parenting and marriage advice from? An Instagram influencer. You do not need that. That is the blind leading the blind. That's what you're doing. So like, let me just put my pastor head on and just say something, man. So here's the deal. You mean, well, then who do I need advice from? All the people that you need advice from are too old to be on Instagram and TikTok. All of them, every single one of them. So what you need to do is you need to go find somebody in a life group that their age starts with a five, six, seven, or an eight. That's what you need to do. You need to find somebody who like, hey, are you on TikTok? And they say, what's TikTok? That's the person you're looking for. 
You're looking for them. And what you need to do is you need to go find them. And I, listen, this is, this is free right here. What you need to do is you need to go find them and you need to find somebody who like, they love each other, they love Jesus, and you need to find them in a life group or whatever. And you need to go, hey, we are bad at marriage and you are good at marriage. Can we buy you dinner and talk to you about marriage? You need to go find somebody who like, man, if you're struggling in parenting, please, for the love of God, don't watch TikTok videos and Instagram reels. For the love of God, please don't do it. No, you need to go find somebody again who like, man, age begins with five, six, seven, or eight. They love Jesus. Their kids are figuring this, you know, their kids love them. They love their kids. And you need to go, hey, we are struggling with our parenting. You seem like you were a good parent. Can you tell us what to do? Is this making sense to y'all? Is this, I need to know. Does this make sense? Okay, this is what you need to do. So you, you just need to go. So this is what you do with wise people. You get up in there. Now, a second category of people is simple people. And simple people, and by the way, everyone keeps finding this picture funny, and I, I just Googled sheep. I don't know, I don't know what's funny about it. Uh, simple people are like sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. The book of Proverbs says the simple believes everything. So being simple, it, it's not about being dumb, it's about being gullible. In the book of Nehemiah, everybody between wise Nehemiah and evil Sanballat and Tobiah, all of them are simple. So th- this is who they are. Now, um, these are people who, this is, listen really close, this is important. Their hearts are in the right place. Their heads have just not cut up to their hearts yet. So in their hearts, they love Jesus. They love God's word. They just haven't been walking with him long enough or they don't have a discernment enough yet to like know how to have biblical convictions and what to do with their lives as a disciple. So here's how you know a simple person. A simple person, they'll do the wrong thing But when they hear what the word of God says, they go, oh, simple, I'll do that. That's a simple person. So it's the person with a good heart that loves Jesus, but they're still kind of figuring this thing out. And can I just say, dude, I love love these people. Like there's a lot, I love these people so much. Like when when people are around here and they're like, they love Jesus, they're just still figuring this thing out. I'm about to use a word I don't typically use from stage, just track with me, give me grace. My favorite compliment after preaching is I'll be in the lobby and uh, it's always like some big dude, you know, like come up and the spirit of God worked on him. He's like a little weepy. He always walks up. He won't even look at, and they never look at me. He'll be like, oh man. He'll kind of, pe- you know, that's what I'll do. He'll be like, man, that was a hell of a talk, pastor. Hell of a talk, hell of a talk, man. Hell of a talk. You know, I call them hell of a talk guys. That's my word. That's like my favorite. It's like literally my favorite. I'm like, man, you're still figuring it out. I'll, I'll, I'll love you so much, bro. This is a true story. There's a guy, he was probably in the last service here every week. Last year, um, he gives his life to Jesus. Big burly dude, got his little Kuyu hunting shirt on, all this stuff. And we're out in the lobby and uh, it was really obvious God was working on him. And so I'm like, man, you, you know, have you ever surrendered your life to Christ? He's like, man, I haven't. I'm like, man, you want to do that? He's like, yeah, I do. I'm like, okay, well, let's pray. Dude literally uses the F word in his salvation prayer. <laughs> literally, I'm not joking. I'm totally not joking. And I was like, I'm there. And I'm like, he did it. And I just smiled. I was like, I'm not even gonna correct it. I think the Lord is so pleased right now. This dude's just being honest. He's giving his life. We're gonna figure, we'll figure all that out later. He's like, F word in a salvation prayer. This is, I could could tell these stories all day. Uh, Somebody at one of our campuses, they like, God moved on their, you know, moved on their life. They wanted to honor God offering buckets come by. And I guess they just wanted to offer him something that mattered. They didn't have any money. So a guy literally puts three bags of weed in the offering bucket, okay? Now, uh, <laughs> so then, you know, offering buckets are passing. Everybody in the whole service had the choice, puff or pass. Yeah, that's, that's just, uh, 
You get it. I love that. <laughs> I've been waiting all week to tell that joke. It's a good, good joke. Now, 90% of you are laughing and 10% of you are like, nah, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't know about that. You're like, I, I don't like those things we're in here. Okay, that may be where you are. But God is going, I just love that those people are here. Because Jesus said, Jesus said, the healthy have no need of a doctor but the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Now, how do you treat a simple person? Here's how you treat them. You influence them, but they don't influence you. Nehemiah led these people. They did not lead Nehemiah. And some of you need to learn that, that lesson. Now, last category of people. So you had wise people are like shepherds. Simple people are like sheep. Evil people are like, uh, there it is right there. You. <laughs> Y'all totally knew. You totally knew that was coming. Y'all, if you didn't see that coming, you, you need to pay more attention. So let me do the real one. Here's the real one. All right. So uh, wise people are like shepherds. Simple people are like sheep. Evil people are like wolves, the Bible says. Evil people oppose. So wise people build the things of God. Simple people are neutral very often. Evil people, they oppose the things of God. They do things like they call the truth hate. And oh, by the way, the truth sounds like hate to people who hate truth. Wise people live by the spirit. Simple people live by the flesh. Evil people, they don't know it, but they are ultimately animated by the demonic. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab in this story are example of evil people. And now, now listen, here's why I'm pointing this out. Some of you are very, I love you. Listen, hear my love for you. Some of you are very naive. And when you're choosing Friends in your life, you say things like, I wanna go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm tolerated. I want people who will cheer me on. I need cheerleaders. But listen to me. Friends who will cheer you on all the way to hell are not your friends. Friends who will cheer you on all the way to hell are not your friends. In fact, let me take it a step further. Now, here's what's important. You gotta, I'm, I'm describing this for you because evil people don't walk into your life with a label over their head that says evil. Actually, what the Bible says is that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. What did Jesus say? He said, wolves come in sheep's clothing. So this is what you gotta watch out for. In fact, in Nehemiah 6, Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem, they hire these false prophets, pay them to lie to Nehemiah. They come to Nehemiah presenting themselves as wise people who are for the things of God when actually they are evil people opposing the things of God. I'm getting ready to say something that will be one of the hardest lessons you ever learn in your life, but listen, just because they say that they're believers doesn't mean that you should believe them. Just because they say that they're believers doesn't mean that you should believe them. Listen to me. If you wanna know who wise, simple, and evil people are, listen, don't watch what they say. Don't watch how they make you feel. Watch what they do. Wisdom is shown by her deeds, the Bible says. Do they act like disciples of Jesus? Are they dying to self? Are they in submission to the word of God? When the word and the world contradict each other, do they prioritize the word over the world or the world over the word? This is how you know the difference between these people. Now, how do you relate to evil people? Nehemiah gives us an example. This is Nehemiah 6, 2, and 3. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at H word. <laughs> I don't know how to, Hakafirim, that's my best shot. In the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm, which is why I was called the plain of, oh no. There it is. I didn't do that in any other service and I probably shouldn't have done it in this one. That just came out. But they, uh, and I sent messengers to them saying, I love this, listen real close. 
I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. How do you relate to evil people? You don't. You don't. Notice what Nehemiah doesn't do. He doesn't meet with them. He doesn't reason with them. He doesn't talk to them. He doesn't respond to them. He just keeps building. He goes, man, I, I don't got time for this. Um, I got my eyes on what God has called me to do. Fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. I'm laying everything behind me. And I'm going, man, like the apostle Paul, one thing I do, one thing I do. Can you pray for him? Yes. Can you share Jesus with him? Yes. Can you love him a little bit? Yes. But you don't have a deep relationship with him in any way. Rhetorical question do not raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I really don't want you to raise your hand. Rhetorical question means don't answer, okay? How many of you have ever heard our church criticized before? Don't raise your hand. I hate it when I ask that question and thousands of hands go up. It's like <laughs> discouraging to me. Okay, Pro probably almost all of you. But how many times have you seen me respond to those criticisms from, from stage? I don't. Because my calling is not to convert critics, it's to honor Christ. That's not my calling. I got like, listen, I, you, listen my, my mentality is when I hear that stuff, I'm like, okay, they're over there doing their thing. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Man, you, ultimately you can't debate or disciple what is ultimately demonic. You just need to, or, you need to ignore them and follow Jesus. You, do you have the intestinal fortitude to look at opposition to your obedience and say, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down? Some of you don't, need to li li you don't live online debating people who are against Christianity. You just need to go be a Christian. That's what you need to do. Now, let me land a plane with something that's a little heavy because some of you right now, you're like, yeah, Josh, but the people that are evil in my life, it's not people online. You're going, man, it's my parents or it's my brother or you just described my closest friends or the hardest one of all. Some of you are going, man, but that's my kids. That's my kids. What do you do when it's that category? I'm gonna say some hard things to you that are true because I love you and Jesus is our Lord. Jesus said this in Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not, you say it, does not father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now you may hear that, you may go, man, hate, like, man, what are you talking about? Like, doesn't the Bible say, like, for God so loved the world? What do you mean hate? Let me explain what Jesus is doing here, and I'm going to do like a very hard emotional gear shift. So in 2009, I bought Jana, it's the Christmas present that I was like most excited of any Christmas present ever to give her. And uh, this, this was him. This was little, exactly, that's exactly right. That's why I was excited, okay? Little Jack. Now, was Jack adorable? No, Jack was not adorable. He was demonic, okay? So here's the... So I, you know, I love the dog, but here's the deal. Jack, like he had like some little, it's like something was wrong in his little doggy head. So he had this thing where as long as we had him, no matter how much training we did, if something startled him, like even somebody opening a door, he would flip over and shoot pee in the air. He would like just, and he never stopped. <laughs> like, like we did all the training and all the things and like little things, like it would be quiet in the room for a while. And I'd be like, hey, Jana, you know, it's like, anything would just set him off. And he had this fear response where eventually he would do this thing where uh, he, like his fight or flight would kick in 
And so when he got scared, he'd do this thing and then he'd like attack you. So at first it was like, oh, it's cute. Like this little one pound puppy is like gnawing on my toe, you know, kind of cute. But then as he got bigger, it was like he, uh, he started, uh, first it was like, then he started kind of growling and snarling. Like, oh, he's for real now. And then eventually um, he snapped on us. And then eventually Pop Pop came in and he got scared and latched on to Pop Pop's hand, drew blood. Now all this was like kind of a problem. It became a big problem when we started adopting our kids and I got six week old infants in the house. So the break point moment was eventually he snapped and he went after one of my infant kids. Now, when that happened, something broke inside of me. And I'm not proud of this, but here's what I did. I immediately, with aggression, I walked into the living room and I grabbed Jack by the scruff of his neck. I, with him in the air, I walked very quickly into the kitchen to our silverware drawer. I opened the silverware drawer. I pulled out a long, sharp knife. I walked to the back door of our house. It was a sliding door and I opened the sliding door. I took Jack and the knife out into our backyard and walked around the side of the house so nobody could see. I lifted up Jack's head. I picked up the, I'm just teasing. I didn't do that. That's a joke. Man. That's a joke. 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 Come back. Come back. That was probably... It's probably too much for the end of a sermon. <laughs> Come back. Okay, I did not do that, but <laughs> I did immediately get rid of Jack. Immediately. Now, rhetorical question again, don't answer. Did I hate Jack? No. Honestly, I loved the little dude. He was adorable and I just, I loved him. But, but listen, in comparison to my love for my kids, my love for Jack looked like hate. When Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. What he was saying is, man, you can love them, but in comparison to your love for me, your love for them is gonna have to look like hate. He was saying, man, when you come to me, you gotta be willing to lay down your life for the one who laid down his life for you. We don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. We follow Jesus because he is better than life. This is what we do, man. That's the call. Now, I'm landing the plane a little different today. And here's what I want at all of our locations, man. We're getting ready to celebrate with hundreds of people who have made a decision. I'm following him no matter the cost. So would you do this at all of our campuses? I know this is a little weird. Would you guys go ahead and stand with me? And I want to start giving some directions because a lot of stuff's going to happen in this room. Number one is the Bible says, and y'all, this week in Encounter, we're like leaning into this. I wanna, I wanna ramp this up to a thousand degrees to increase the prayer culture of our church. Right now, I'm gonna call our prayer teams now. Prayer teams at all of our campuses, y'all start coming down. And number one, some of you, you need to pray. And like, even while I've been preaching, there's like this burden that's rising in your heart. You got this need, you need provision, you need healing, you need a prodigal ch child or a grandchild to start coming home. You need your heart awakened to the things of God. The Bible says we're two or more, are gathered in my name, there, that's gonna move the heart of heaven. If you agree on earth, that's gonna move the heart of heaven. And so some of you like, man, God's moving on your heart. You're gonna be like, ah, I don't know if I wanna walk down front and pray with somebody. The answer to your prayer may be, may be exactly on the other side of that step of faith. Faith activates the power of God. So some of you, you need prayer. And as soon as I tell you, you need to like straight, like run. Like I saw this week, you need to run down. You need to pray with somebody and let's see if it moves the heart of heaven. That's number one, pray. 
Now, number two, we are also getting ready to celebrate baptism, like I said, with over 300, it's actually 312 people who were registered to be baptized this weekend. And so baptism, people who are being baptized, you can go ahead and start moving to your spots at all of our campuses. But here's what I know, 312 people are scheduled to be baptized, but I think there's probably one more that needs it. I think there's probably one more. There's probably somebody that's, you're here right now and the spirit of God's moving on your heart and you realize, man, I need to surrender. I need to bend the knee and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. And you need, you need to do it today. The Bible says, hasten and do not delay to obey his command. You need to do it today. Now, if that's you, you're like, oh man, like I actually want to do that. But like, bro, I didn't bring any clothes. That kind of thing. That's okay. We got clothes for you. Oh man, but I don't have a towel. How am I going to drop? We got a towel for you. Yeah, man, you got shirts, but I, what about my underwear? We got underwear for you. I'm like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> we are all sizes. We're ready for you. Okay? You're like, oh yeah, man, but my family's not going to like it because like they're going to have to wait for me to dry off after the service. Hey, Lake Point family, are we going to be proud of people when they take a step to follow Jesus? Oh, how about that? How about we're going to be like, man, I'm just so happy. I, I'm so glad I got to wait an extra seven minutes this way, I bet we're gonna be. So some of you, as soon as I release you at the Rockwall campus, you need to head right underneath both of these big crosses on the side. And you need to today in your business clothes, make a decision to bend your knee to the Lordship of Jesus and be baptized in obedience to his commands. You need to do that like today, head to those. At all of our other campuses, you head to the back of the room where they told you to. So that's you. Now, last thing is everybody everywhere. Hey, Lake Point family, are we gonna be, the first thing these people should hear as they come out of the water are the shouts of celebration of their newfound brothers and sisters. We're gonna turn, we're gonna make heaven come down to earth. We're gonna make it, man, more rejoicing in heaven. And so man, right now, some of you, you need to stream down for prayer. Some of you need to head there for baptism. All of us, we need to celebrate and uh, rejoice with these people making that decision. Pray, sing, bring, let's go right now. Let's go. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.